0: You know, uh, correction isn't always fun. It it rarely brings a smile to your face. However, those that see it coming before it gets there, you can rejoice when you're corrected. Amen? You can choose the rejoicing when you're corrected. Anybody been corrected before? Yeah? It's going to happen for the rest of your life if you're following the Lord. (laughs) He's going to be teaching you and showing you. And you know, that's going to come from natural people. That's going to come from all over the place. But hey, it's worth it. Training's worth it. Amen. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. God is good. Y'all need some coffee? We doing okay? Warm enough? Yeah, God is good. I'm grateful to have you here. I'm grateful for the season that the Lord's had us in in the last few weeks of not being just a believer, which is good, but to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. To be a follower. It there's a difference. Amen. We've seen that. There's a difference. There's a whole bunch of believers following Jesus in the Bible, but then he addresses the believers and says, unless you abide in my word, you can't be my disciples. So there's a difference. Amen. And we're learning that we need to understand that and then not just understand it and recognize it and, and agree with it, but we need to do it. Amen. You tell your kids to do something and they agree with it. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'll do that. But until they're moving, right, we don't get, we don't think they got it yet. So God's asking us to do something about it, to be a disciple and put some action to what he's teaching us. And this is good. This is good for our church because it's this is a meaty subject, right? This isn't just milk. There's some meat in this subject because it's calling us to a different place, a different level to come up, amen, to come up. Turn with me, if you will, to our text in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. God is good. Thank you, Lord. So grateful. John chapter 8. Verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, they're believers. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. The Amplified version says this. It says, Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, that is to continually obey my teachings and and live in accordance with them, then you truly are my disciples. And you will know the truth regarding salvation and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. That's the Amplified. That's the Amplified. If you continue to obey my teachings, living in accordance with them. God is good to us. I'm telling you, we live in a day and an age where it's just easy to just conform, to just let up, to just let it slide. And I'm telling you, God's calling us to a different place as the body of Christ. We got to be in a different place. The Bible talks a lot about candles on a hill, the lights of the world, right? If you put it on a hill, people can see it from afar. You don't hide the light under a bushel, right? You don't hide it under something that's covering it. You put it out in the open where you can see it so it lets its light out. And the darker the world gets, the more effective the church will get as it becomes brighter. That means the less like the world we look, the more effective we become. And it's true. We can get in all kinds of ditches on a subject like this. We could go way to one side where we just, we just disconnect from the world completely, right? People have done it. They've got, I, I, know, I know personally people that have bunkers and weapons caches and food, and they are ready to get out of here if, if it all goes crazy. we got to be careful with that kind of mentality because Jesus called us to be in the world and not of the world. Right, We can't have an escapism mentality. Even with Jesus coming back and us getting out of here, we can't have an escapism theology that we're just going to get out of here. We've got a job to do while we're here. And we've got to get around the people that need to hear Jesus and need to see the light. Because they're not going to get it any other way than by, by us. True? So being his disciple is willing to look different, act different, talk different than the world. To not be conformed to the world's way of thinking and doing things, right? And that means that if we're going to do that, we're going to have to abide in his word. We're going to have to see what the word says that we're supposed to act like, talk like, look like, think like, believe like. So when we butt up against something in the word or something at church, right, that the preacher says, and it doesn't it doesn't quite agree with everything that I thought I had figured out, then we need to evaluate ourselves. We need to check, Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? Am I missing it? Am I off? Do I need to make some corrections? Because if all I'm doing as a pastor is just reaffirming everything you already know, what are we doing? This should be like a challenge. This should be a call to, you know, I didn't see that before. I thought it might be this way, but maybe God's got something else for me to think about. Another way to look at it. Yeah? I'll come to that. I was going to tell an illustration. I will get to it. Matthew 10, 24 in the Amplified says a student is not superior to his teacher, but everyone after he has been completely trained will be like his teacher. That's in the Amplified. We'll be like his teacher. We are not going to supersede and go beyond where Jesus went. He's the master. But he said we can be like him. Come on now. That's a, that's a pretty high podium, isn't it? Isn't that a tall order? But did he say it was possible? Amen. We got to believe that. Otherwise, we'll just settle for 5% of Jesus. Ten percent of Jesus. Twenty. Well, I can't. I can't get there. You know, I'm only human. Just a man. That's not what he said. That was not a caveat to this verse. He didn't say, "Well, you know, if you are raised a certain way." He's like, "No, you need to come up, be like me." Amen. We talked a little bit about suffering, suffering for the cross of uh, the cross of Christ, and and crucifying our flesh. That there will be some suffering. Right and having to lay some things down in this earth, but it does not include sickness and being broke. That is not part of the suffering for the cross of Christ. Suffering for the cross of Christ is telling your flesh no, right? Doing some things you don't want to do, right? Taking some persecution for doing what is right. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, and that's okay. So that's good. That's good news. <laughs> it takes a pretty mature person to see that and go, "This is good news. This is good." it does, but we need to change, amen? And Jesus is the standard, so we look to him. Are we, am I looking at some disciples this morning? Are we, are we gonna be disciples? Are we coming up to a different level? Because you can stay a believer your whole life. Go to heaven, but I'm telling you, there's a reward for disciples. There's a reward for people that lay some things down, that crucify their flesh, that say no to some things that they shouldn't be doing, and yes to some things they know they should be doing. There's a reward for those that follow after the kingdom of God. It is wonderful to make it to heaven. It's wonderful. But I'm telling you right now, as loud and as clear as I can, there is a reward to gain. And God's calling us to it. Run the race. Lay those things that hold you back down. And there's there's plenty of them. Amen? But we can do it. We can do it. It's a better life. There's, there's way more benefit to letting things go that you think you need to have and saying, God, I'm giving it to you. I want you to have your way in my life. There's way more benefit there. And the trick of it is, the funny thing about it is, you will never see the benefit until you step out in faith and do it. I can tell you about it all day long, but you won't experience it for yourself until you say, I'm laying it down. I thought it was important, but I'm laying it down because I'm pursuing Jesus. I wanna, I wanna be like him. I wanna honor him with my life. Man, it takes some, it takes some fortitude, it takes some maturity, to say something like that, do something like that. It's not easy. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you it's easy. It's not. It's hard work. But man, is it worth it? Yeah? Thank you, Lord. (laughs) You know I love you, right? I mean, I want the best for you. Absolutely want the best for you. So as a church, right, we're not, we're not, at Westside, we're not offendable. Amen? We are utterly unoffendable here. Is that true? True. Come on now, we can't, we can't afford to get offended around here. We can't afford it. It will stunt your growth. It will stop you up. And I'm telling you, the world is really good at getting offended. I mean, they're getting offended about all kinds of subjective stuff right now. Trying to make rules about it. What offends you may not offend you, but hey, let's make a law. Come on now, that's not okay. We are utterly unoffendable. Why? Because you want to be connected with the Lord. When you get offended, you drive a wedge between you and whoever you're offended at. You have lost the ability to speak into their lives. It's gone. You got to stay unoffendable. Not easy to do, but you can do it. That means when you're corrected, when correction comes, you have to just take it. Yeah? (laughs) My wife and I were talking about this story one time, where uh, she was just starting out with tutoring kids in this um, in this school group that our kids are a part of, and she was uh, she was tutoring this group of kids, and so she went to her leader, her director, and said, "Hey, you know, you sat in. Was there anything that I could do that would that you would you would improve on? You know, give me some feedback, right?" And I was standing there, and so she had some feedback for her, like a good leader, like I've got some feedback for you. There's not a whole lot of people that come to the leader and go. Come on, help me, fix me, tweak it, right? I'm, I'm ready. Most of us just like, we, we don't look forward to those conversations. We don't look for it. A mature person looks for opportunities for correction because it will help you. You don't see everything perfectly when you're in your box. You, you have a, a view of it, right? When we're looking at things in our life, we have a picture of it, but there's other people that can look in from the outside and see things in a different way that you never saw before. And to be wise enough to say, what's your perspective? Help me with this. That's wisdom. But it ain't easy. So we had this conversation and she brought up some things and this and that. And just, just like we all do, you know, we have, we're doing something, right? We, we, when we have an action that we're pursuing, when we have a discipline or we have a habit that we're doing something, we have thought about this most of the time. We have thought this through. We have ideas of why we're doing this. We have all the reasons. Well, we do it because of this and this and this and this, right? And there's, and there's reasons why we're doing these certain things. So when somebody brings to us, say, you know, maybe we could do that a different way. Our gut reaction is to defend ourselves because we have thought this through, right? You know, hold on a minute. Let me show you my side. Well, that's not what you asked for. You asked for what do you see, right? So I'm standing by my wife and she's very nice. It was a nice conversation. She was Basically rebutting, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. It's just a good, it's a good. She was basically rebutting everything that she was giving her some wisdom on. And so it got all done. And, and, uh, and I just kind of, when it was just her and I was just like, you realize that you just rebuffed everything you just asked her to do. Like every single thing. And she was like, ah, oh, I did. <laughs> right? But it's in our nature to just defense up net. Whoa, hold on. I got reasons for all of this. I, you know, I got reasons. But it's not being correctable because somebody might see something from the other side and you do need to change. You do not have it all figured out. You don't. We need correction from the Lord. We need to hear from him. He needs to give us some direction and guidance and he will use people that you don't think are qualified to tell you that. That's really fun. What are you thinking you're talking about? I know way more stuff than you, right? Come on now. This isn't just for teenagers who got it all figured out already. This is for adults. God will speak to your heart. He'll he'll correct you. He'll show you some things. And you should listen to your heart. You should listen to the Holy Spirit. But he will not tell you everything you need to know by himself. Because then you wouldn't need us. You could have just stayed home this morning. You need us. There are things that God wants to impart into your life that you will not get any other way than being connected with who God connected you to. Think about that for a minute. Because we've all made that mistake. We've been offended, we've been upset, and we've left somewhere God called us to because we were upset, we were offended. Something didn't go right, I didn't like that, I didn't agree with that, we can't be there. And God's going, now hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I didn't say it was all going to be roses. we got to be willing to sit when we don't feel like it, to stay when he says stay. If he's calling you to go, then you need to go. But we use that excuse of, well, I just don't feel like the Lord's led me to do that anymore. You watch yourself saying that kind of stuff because you better be for sure God told you that when you say something like that because you will stand before the living God and say, and he'll say, what did I say again? (laughs) Careful. Careful. So we've got to be willing to be corrected, to be changeable, because we don't have it all figured out. And and recognize on the inside when your flesh goes, er, I don't like that. Go, shut up, flesh. I do like correction. I do need to see things from a different perspective. I do need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Somebody sees something I don't, and I need to fix it. Yeah? Otherwise, we're just, I'm just... Delivering niceties and platitudes And you're like oh yeah I agree with all that That's wonderful That's not going to help you This is meant to challenge and encourage It's the reason why we're in this series Challenge and encourage us to come to another level I don't want to stay the same The same's a bad place to be You got there You reached that level Wonderful Guess what Time to go to work There's another level And it will build on the revelation. It's progressive. The word of God is a progressive revelation. And it will increase you and help you and grow you. But you do not have it all figured out when you reached a level. There's more. And it's a good thing. Amen? Amen. Boy, y'all are quiet. I'm telling (laughs) you. Turn with me to John chapter six. You're gonna hear hard things sometimes. And you may not understand it all the time, but stay hooked with where God hooked you. Amen? Stay hooked. Folks Folks float in and out of church all the time. I mean, that's just, that's just the world we're living in right now. But I'm telling you, God's called us to be connected somewhere. Connected. You can't be held accountable when you're not around. That's why people do it. You know, ah, we see them once a month. You know, once every two months. Come on, I know I'm preaching to the choir right now, but just think about your life in general. What The things you've done in the past, don't repeat the same mistakes in the future. And and think about some of your other brothers and sisters in Christ that we could be encouraging, that that are supposed to be in their own churches, right? Serving and giving and honoring, right? I mean, we've got to have a clear understanding of this. This is why God's connected us to each other, so that we can help hold each other accountable. And if you're not around, how do we do that? Right? John chapter (laughs) 6. Oh, thank you, Lord. Verse 47. It's a big chapter. Jesus says some hard stuff. Let's see if he backs down when they have a reaction to it. Verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. This is red letters, right? Red letters, this is Jesus talking. I am the bread of life, he says. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. And this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will, forever, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Well, that's hard. 2,000 years ago, they're listening to Jesus saying, if you eat my flesh, you'll live forever. And they're going, what? What? And the Jews, therefore, quarreled among themselves and saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, it's easy to stand 2,000 years ahead of the schedule and look back and go, well, you know, Jesus was talking about that he was going to sacrifice his life and go to the cross. It's easy to look back and go, well, we understand that now, but... They didn't understand the cross then. They, it was pre-cross, pre-resurrection. They think he's talking about cannibalism. And it was a hard thing to understand. Then Jesus said to them, verse 53, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. <laughs> he didn't back off at all, did he? He just up the ante. Here it is. Woo! These tests, this is a test. You're going to have tests in life. You're going to hear things that are going to be hard to understand. But you're going to have to make the decision, am I called to this or not? I'm not asking any of you guys to drink the Kool-Aid, right? Move to Costa Rica, right? Set up a comp. I mean, we're going to live our lives. We're doing the Christian life right here And we are living the way Jesus called us to live. What I'm asking you to do is recognize that there are some areas in your life that God wants to speak into you that need to fix and change so that you can come to the next level. And sometimes it's gonna fly in the face of what you think you believe. It will. If we got it all figured out, why are we still here? Jesus should have come back. Yeah? So he ups the ante. He just makes it as clear as it can get unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood. You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Can you just see their little minds just going, gone. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And these things he said in the synagogue and he taught in Capernaum. It's hard to understand. Man, what is he talking about? Jesus is the word. He is the bread of life. Unless we partake of the word of God and we eat it and we ingest it and we digest it and we internalize it, we cannot have eternal life. It's the word that speaks into our lives and causes us to be born again. It draws us to the Savior and the Holy Spirit that does the work. And he's saying, unless I shed my blood, unless you partake of the shedding of my blood, you cannot be free from sin. Come on now. Jesus is being very truthful in what he's saying, but they're taking it extremely literal in the physical sense. They're using just the five senses to judge everything he's saying. And guess what? It caused a bunch of them to leave. They left. They said, <laughs> we can't do it. We can't, we can't handle this. This is too much, too far, too much commitment. Not even sticking around to find out what he might actually have meant. It's a challenge sometimes. But Jesus didn't back down. Therefore, many of his disciples, verse 60, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? They hardened their heart on their own. When you say that, this is hard. Who can understand it? It's too hard. How will we know you're setting your own words stout against you? If you don't understand something, we need to agree with what the word says, that the Holy Spirit will come and guide us into all truth and show us things to come. That's what the word says. So if you don't understand it now, we've got to set our words in our favor and say, well, I don't understand it now, but I will. By the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will reveal to me the truth that I need to know of what I don't understand. Thank you, Lord. That takes a mature Christian. That takes somebody willing to say, I don't have it all figured out. I am correctable. I am teachable. Not always easy. Man, is it worth it? Think about your kids just training your kids just to be teachable. Man, when they just say, oh, I didn't see that. Okay, yeah, I can do it that way. Like anything, just... All those little nuggets you have as parents, the stuff that you do automatically because you've done it for so long, those little tips about organization or cleaning or chopping wood, right? Or checking over the car. All these little things you just take for granted that you are trying to impart to your kids. Those little things matter. They add up. How do you think you get there? Somebody was helping you. And the Holy Spirit's always just giving us these little nuggets, these little tips people around you little tips oh i didn't see that before take it in chew on it i'm not saying everything you hear is going to be perfect and right you're going to have to chew the hay and spit out the sticks so to speak you are but god's trying to get something to you you can't just avoid sticks by not eating hay right you still got to get in there and get the good stuff out Jesus, verse 61, knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. And he said to them, does this offend you? (laughs) Come on now. Does this offend you? What then if you should see the son of man ascend where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Come on now, he's explaining it. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. And from that, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to the 12, look at this, verse 67. And Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? The 12 are there. The disciples he chose are there. And he says, do you also want to go away? Look look at what they said, to their credit. Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's like, what do you quit to? If you're going to quit Jesus and you're going to quit this life of faith, what do you quit to? You remember those days? They weren't any good. You had no idea it was coming around the corner. No weather report whatsoever. No sense, no hope, no trust. What do you quit to? Like, this is the best life of serving the Lord. The best. And they recognize that we don't understand it all. We're even having discussions among ourselves. What does that mean? How does that fit? But like, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. (laughs) We are staying. Stay with God. Stay with Jesus. Don't even test the waters outside of him. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Stay with him. It gets clearer and clearer and clearer. I met with uh, some friends not too long ago and just having a good discussion about the Lord. And and uh, they really had a lot of um, questions about their faith and and uh, moving forward. Like, you know, how, just how do you know? How do you know for sure this is right? And... The answer is, is it's a progressive revelation. You see it in the word and you choose, you say, I believe this. And when you make that decision, more light comes. Because we've got tons of intellectuals in the world, lots of them, even more so today than we've ever had because of the amount of information that's available. Lots of intellectuals like, well, you've got to explain the whole thing to me. I've got to understand it all before I commit." It is not our job to make them understand it all. Our job is to preach the gospel because unless they believe the simplest of the simple, the rest of the light isn't gonna come. We can waste our time, and I do say waste our time arguing, discussing, trying to win them over to your side. I would dare to say the number is pretty small of people getting born again because of an argument you won. Proved it, I win, right? Very small. They've got to see it for themselves in the simplicity of the gospel. How are we living? How are we acting, right? I mean, it really comes down to what you're doing more than what you're saying. You'll have your opportunities to rebut, but don't get stuck there. People aren't just coming to the Lord in droves because of intellectual arguments. Our, Our way, in my opinion, our way makes perfect sense. But the reason it does is because I'm committed to what the word of God says about where we came from, our origins, where we are right now, and where we're going. It's crystal clear to me, but I didn't get there overnight. Takes a commitment. Takes a willing to be corrected. Takes a willing to lay some things down and say, Lord, I'm your disciple and I trust you. We're gonna stand before him before you know it. And you will be so grateful that you just said, Lord, I didn't understand all that, but I am certainly glad that I put you first. Oh man, you'll be happy. That'd be a good day. Amen. Simon said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus answered and said, Did I not choose the 12, and one of you is the devil? He's like, I even know that of the 12, one of you is going to betray me. But they stuck, they stayed. It's good news. Amen. Can you stick when it's hard? Can you? Well, you know, we got to train ourselves and our kids that we just can't quit when it gets hard. I mean, that's kind of becoming a, a lost art amongst the world. You know, you don't like your job? Get another one. Don't like your car? Get another one. Don't like your spouse? Get another one. I mean, people are trading in all, the, all over the place. We got to be careful. Right, we're supposed to look different, act different, talk different, amen? Psalm 119, 165 says, great peace have they who love your law. Nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. Great peace have they who love your law. I know I say this a lot, but man, the word matters. We've got to love the word. We've got to become lovers of what the word says. Man, it'll change everything. If we continue to allow it to just be a side note, a footnote in our lives, we'll continue to operate the same way we always have until we put the word first. Every tough question that comes up, every tough situation and circumstance that comes up, we should be asking ourselves, what does the word say? What does the word say? Man, that's important. Being like him requires some change. Amen? It does. We've got to start somewhere. Somewhere we've got to start. At some point, we've got to start. Correction isn't always fun. I remember um, when I was just early in college, I thought it would be a good idea to um, be like an intern, an intern in the youth group, and to help out. And, uh, you know, lots of good ideas there. But what was interesting is that, um, you know, I I had kind of a just crazy work schedule, school schedule. I just I just like to have fun. I like to hang out with friends, goof around. It was, It was just a fun time of life. But what I did not do was I didn't make any changes or adjustments in what I was doing when I became an intern. And when you're an intern, when you're in any type of leadership role, guess what? Changes need to be made. There's a standard that's higher. You can find it all over the scripture. If you're going to step into a role of leadership and don't let that push you away from it. Don't let that shy you away. But when you step into a role, any kind of a role of leadership where someone's looking up to you, the standard just went up and you are more accountable. And I remember I just, I just wasn't being accountable. I wasn't doing right. I wasn't taking it seriously. And I got a letter from my youth pastor and it was scalding and I deserved it. <laughs> I mean, I had it coming and it was not fun at the time. I was like, man, man, this stinks. I don't, you know, I, all of the reasons, all the excuses. I do it because of, da, da, da. but as I've gone, as I've grown, as I've matured, I look back at that, going, man, that took some boldness for somebody to step up, write a letter, call me on the carpet, and I needed it. It's, it's helped me. It's helped me as an adult looking back and seeing that. At the time, I was like, that ain't right. That's not all true. It was all true. <laughs> Nailed it. Right and 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 I made some corrections. I made some adjustments. I looked back on that going, I could have done that way better. I could have done that way different. I can't change that, but I can fix now. There's a higher standard. If you're a believer and a follower and a disciple of the Lord Jesus, there's a higher standard. And we've got to hold ourselves to that and then be around enough of each other to hold each other accountable. To say, you know what, I don't think that's right. And without you bristling up and getting offended. We all got to do it. Is that true? Come on now. Not, not all super fun. I know, I know. This is the last of the disciple series, y'all. So <laughs> I'm getting something hoorah and all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> when we get corrected, that should be a moment of like, we should just see that as like, okay, I'm getting corrected here. This is a good thing. That should turn into rejoice mode. Not easy, but uh, okay. Thank you, Lord. I needed to hear that. You're right. They were right. I didn't see it. They're right. I need to fix that. Man, God's like, now there's somebody I can use right there. That's somebody with a good attitude, right? When your kids go, you're right, I'm sorry. I mean, when they are penitent right away, go oh, for a parent's heart, that's like, yes. Yes, that's exactly what we're looking for. Take correction, make the adjustment, repent, and do it right? It's no different with our Father, right? (laughs) Correction's a good thing. Don't just get up and leave. Don't run away when you're corrected. Don't do that. Stick around. 1 John chapter three. 1 John chapter three. You guys doing okay? I'm almost done. 1 John chapter three. (laughs) Verse 1. says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. When we... When we're we're recreated, when we are made in the image and likeness forever like the Lord Jesus, it will not be a demotion. Like, have you ever heard anybody say, well, the Lord just needed another angel in heaven when somebody goes home to be with the Lord? That is completely unscriptural. You are not going to be an angel in heaven. Angels are below us in the pecking order. They are sent forth as ministering spirits for the heirs of salvation. That's us. Being an angel would be a demotion. We're going to look just like Jesus, not twinning him, but we're going to look glorified just like him. Come on now. And while we're in this process, we're to strive for looking more and more like him right now. You don't have a glorified body yet. It's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back and your body's going to be glorified and you're going to look good. The best version of you you've ever thought of. It's wonderful. You'll feel good. No more aches, pains, Right? No more extra. It is funny. What's that phrase? Junk in the trunk? I don't have any. I don't even have a trunk. Like, I'm like the fiat. You can't tell if you can put anything back there or not. But you're going to look good. It'll be wonderful. Glorified body. That means we'll look like him. But right now, we're supposed to act like, talk like, think like, be like him now. So much so that the world will go, they know Jesus. Why? Because we look like him. We talk like him. We act like him. Thank you, Lord. And everyone who has this hope in him, verse 3, purifies himself just as he is pure. That means there's going to have to be an action that we take to do what's right. We're not earning it. We're not earning salvation. We're just making good decisions. We're stopping the stuff we should not be doing and we're starting the stuff we should be doing. We are purifying ourselves. It is not okay to think of ourselves as just old sinners saved by grace. You're not a sinner anymore if you're born again. You might sin once in a while, but there's, there's the grace for that. There's a grace for it when you mess up. Keep reading. For whoever commits this, verse four, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is Lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin. Look at this now, buckle up. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Why do preachers skip this? (laughs) It's too hard. They might run away. I can't be without sin so I can't know God. It's not true. The Amplified brings it out. Look at this. No one who abides in him who remains united in fellowship with him, will deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practice sin. Says it a whole bunch different, doesn't it? The, the It's very accurate because the way he words this, the way this is worded, that whoever bides in him does not sin means a continual, a deliberate, a habitual sin over and over and over, where you are not saying, I recognize this is sin and I'm stopping it. You're saying, I'm gonna keep doing this because I don't know how to stop or I don't wanna stop or I don't know what to do you're in trouble. Come on now. I mean, there is a right and a wrong. If you know to do right and you don't do it, it's sin. If you know it's wrong and you keep doing it, it's, it's sin. Sin is wrong. It will mess your life up bad. The best thing you can do is just recognize it and go, I got to get that out of here. Whatever it takes, it can't stay. Not easy to do. Not super fun message, right? But I mean, this is challenging for us because we can't, we cannot afford going into the return of the Lord Jesus to live in sin and some things that we've let go. We cannot afford it. We can't. We have a job to do. We gotta let some stuff go. We gotta let some stuff go. And I'm not talking about just blatant sin the world calls sin. Religious people, us Christians, we can get religion on us and it's sin. Judgmental. Bad attitudes, everybody's got it wrong but me. Sin, ugly, icky, hypocritical. Oh, right? We got to get that stuff out. It's got to go. Okay, yee No one who habitually sins has seen him or know him. There's something about seeing the Lord for who he is that just makes us want to burn some stuff out. Can't do that anymore. I can't. I can't do that anymore. My dad tells a story. He said when he first got born again, he just kept doing some of these knot headed things. And he goes, <laughs> he says, I literally quit doing some stuff in my life because I was tired of asking the Lord for forgiveness about it. That's funny to me because it's so true. Like Lord, here I am again, 172. I know you're not keeping track, but I'm getting tired of this. I gotta stop. And you can. You can, with his help, you can. Lay it down. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Little children, verse seven, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. Boy, that's strong. Red letters. For the devil has sinned from the beginning, and for this purpose the Son of God would manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Come on now, same phrase. Does not sin. Does not deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practice sin. For his seed remains in him, the Lord Jesus, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. These are red letters from Jesus, and it is a challenge and a call for us to come to a higher level. Because we've all got stuff we're working on, right? My challenge to you is, is stop working on it and just do it. Because this try mentality will keep you in a in a debt of sin for a while. It's a dark hole. It's a dark hole. God never said try it. He said do it. And it's a command with the power to, to honor it, to fulfill it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a power behind the command to do it. It's a challenge. I understand. I'm standing before you, man. I've had to work through some stuff in my life and kick some stuff out, but it's good on the other side. There's a freedom and a and a release and a healing and a cleanness. Oh, it feels so good to sleep good at night knowing you did the right thing. That you made amends where you needed to make amends. Man, it feels good. It's worth it. It's worth it. Cuz we got a we got a higher standard. Amen. A higher standard. <laughs> so I'm challenging you today to lay some stuff down. Recognize what it is. Let God speak into your life. Let him use other people to speak into your life. Be willing to say, okay, those things need to change. I need to, I need to honor my Savior who gave everything for me to take sin away from me that I don't hold on to it for some crazy reason. I let it go. You don't need it. You don't need it. Amen? So that's my challenge to you today is to let some things go. I know that in a group this size, every one of us, in one way or another, we're hearing from the Holy Spirit, and he's dealing with us in a specific area. You know what it is. It might be one or two or three. You can, you can quit it all. It is possible. It's possible. Jesus said we could be like him. We've got to get out of the mentality of, I'm a sinner, and I'm going to sin, and there's just no way of getting around it. That is an excuse for you to do what you want. You can live a whole day without sinning. It's possible for you to go a week without sinning. Come on now. What about a month? Are, are, we, are we growing up to be like him? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying he's saying you must be perfect. He's saying recognize what you're doing and don't keep doing it. If it's not right, yeah? Come on now. We can get there. But we've got to start and try and believe that it's possible. We can. God's good to us. It's a better place. Amen. Can I pray for you?